Holy Spirit, living breath of God, breathe new life into my willing soul. Let the presence of the risen Lord come into my heart and make me whole. Cause your word to come alive in me. Give me faith for that which I cannot see. Give me passion for your purity. Holy Spirit, breathe new life in me. Amen. Last Sunday we talked about love. Agape, right? Agape love. How'd that go for you this week? (laughs) I find when the Lord um, impresses something upon me, it's because I'm about to be tested in that. (laughs) Loving one another and what that love looks like, um, what it looks like to love each other with the love of God, especially when our human love falls short. So this week, we're picking up with that theme of love again and trying to recall our first love. First love. Not that first time we held hands with a special someone, (laughs) although you probably remember what that was like, or your first kiss. Although likely memorable, those moments pale in comparison to our first love, the first time that we loved Jesus and knew his love for us and recognized that and received his gift of salvation. So do you remember what that was like? Can you think back? Maybe it was a moment or maybe it was something that developed over a period of time. Can you remember your enthusiasm and your gratefulness to the Lord for what he did in your life Realizing that your sin was gone, that your debt was paid. Have you ever experienced a debt that you think you're never going to pay off? For me, it's student loans. I feel like they're never going to go away. Someday they will, you know. (laughs) Either because I'll figure it out or the Lord will take me home and then someone else is stuck with it. But But the Lord forgives us our sin, releases us from our debt because he pays it. His presence and the power of the risen Christ alive and active in your life. What an exciting time that was. Can you remember? There's two accounts today in scripture of these Kairos moments. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the gospel. Remember we've talked about that from time to time from Mark chapter 1. Uh, The first one that we read about today is in Isaiah, right? It's a theophany. Theo, God, phony, to appear, theophany, Greek word, Greek root, manifestation of God in a discernible form, right? It's this awesome and glorious picture. I don't know if anybody's done a painting or a piece of art with it or something like that, but the hem of God's robe filling the temple and it being filled with smoke and the presence of God is so powerful that the place shakes. Like what awesome holiness, power, God's love and might all wrapped up into one space. And Isaiah's response is not, yay God, me and Jesus, high five. (laughs) It's, woe is me. 
I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips. He experiences God's holiness and his power, and he realizes something about himself in light of that. And notice God doesn't say, yeah, you're right. I'm about to smite you. No. The angel takes the coal with the tongs and touches his lips and says, cleanse, your sins are forgiven. God in Christ Jesus does that for us. What a beautiful moment. What a beautiful first love moment, right? And now what about Simon Peter? Here's another one, right? So fishermen, they love to tell stories. <laughs> you know, my dad always used to say, I caught a fish this big. <laughs> which which time are you looking at, right? No. <laughs> um, it's another Kairos moment. It's miraculous provision in the face of circumstances that would speak otherwise. God moves in power when external signs would indicate otherwise. Right? So, they're out there. Jesus goes out into the boat and ministers to the crowd. And then he's like, I've got your nets. And Simon Peter could have said, you know what? We're good. There's nothing out here. And he does say, we fished all night. The circumstances say nothing's going to happen, but all right, Lord. <laughs> oh, whatever, we'll do it. And so, puts it out. And then he catches so many fish, he doesn't know what to do with it. And his initial reaction is, whoa, look at all these fish. And he calls his buddies over to get the fish into the boat. And wow, look at this. And then all of a sudden, it sinks in. And Simon Peter goes, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. What a strange reaction to catching a bunch of fish. It wasn't about the fish. It was about what Simon Peter had realized. It was a first love moment for Simon Peter. When he realized the awe and wonder of the fact that the kingdom of God had drawn near to him. And what was his response? Do you have a first love moment in your life like that? Where the kingdom of God drew near to you and you had a response where you realized that you needed Jesus and all at once you were overwhelmed by his love and his grace in the light of your sinfulness and the debt that you needed paid. Where else do we hear the phrase about your first love in scripture? Revelation chapter 2. If you have your Bible, let's turn over to that. Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. This is a message to the church at Ephesus. This was a church that in many respects had a lot of good things going for them. That they had it together in a lot of ways. But there's a stern warning in there for them as well. And Christ commends them and then challenges them. So here we are. Revelation chapter 2. Starting at the first verse. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, 
and you have not grown weary. But this I have against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So this was not a bad church. Um, these folks had persevered in persecution. They were holding forth the light. Um, this was a church that was uh, in a city that had a lot of pagan influence. There was a large temple there, a large pagan temple, and there was uh, a large uh, pagan community there. And the church was holding forth the light. And the church actually existed during uh, part of the reign of Nero. And you remember Emperor Nero um, lit the way with burning Christians, right? He was, it was an awful time of persecution for the church. And the church in Ephesus perseveres through all of this. You know, if, if we heard about them on the news today, we would probably be amazed and just be like inspired by what they were doing. Um, and Christ commends them. You know, they weren't sitting around doing nothing. He knows their works. He's aware of what they've been doing. He sees it. They were busy working for their Lord. You know, the, probably their church calendar was full. They had something every night of the week. Uh, people in the neighborhood were probably looking at them and saying, man, these, these are some awesome looking Christians here. They're doing a lot of good things. They sure are busy. <laughs> and not only were they busy for the Lord, they had that stand against heresy. They were grounded in the word. No doubt their pastor was a better preacher than me. Um, they withstood persecution and they had not failed. Outwardly, everything looked really good. And Jesus doesn't throw that out. He says, he commends them. I can see what you're doing. But this I have against you. That you have lost your first love. Jesus is saying your busyness and your works are kind of an outward compliance. And what Christ was looking for were changed hearts. So the church in Ephesus had a first love, right? They were about relationship. They knew the power of the risen Christ. They had tasted and seen that it was good. And then they got busy. Stuff happened in the life of their church. They were, it seems like they were busy doing a lot of things, but the relationship that they had with Jesus had begun to change, begun to suffer. So um, it seems like if we look at the timeline that about a generation had come and gone since Paul was there and preached to them. So there was some time for things to cool down and um, whatnot. And they had remained faithful to God's word. They had endured hardship. Uh, and it's probably hardship that most of us probably can't even understand or begin to imagine. Um, but there was something lacking. They had lost their passion. They had lost that first love. So that, that love that they had for Jesus when they realized what he had done for them, that had motivated them, and that just burned within their hearts in the beginning, had grown cold. And they... Perhaps we're going through the motions, denying the power. 
Maybe they became more interested in knowledge than personal holiness. You could know a lot about the Bible and a lot about Jesus without having a relationship with him and without pursuing personal holiness. Sometimes we become really comfortable with the holy instead of being in awe of it. You imagine if Isaiah had experienced what he did and just didn't respond the way that he did. He just said, wow, the hem of God's robe is here. Let me get a picture and post it on Facebook. (laughs) Sometimes we forget that our God is a consuming fire that doesn't diminish his love for us. That does not diminish his approachability through Christ or us. But we can't allow our ability to approach the throne with confidence to enable us to forget that God is holy. Sometimes we become insensitive to the Holy Spirit and then we become dulled to the sins in our own lives that um, drive us away. Sometimes we're satisfied with living at odds with other Christians. We just accept it as a fact of life. And then that slowly brings division into a church. Um, When we are in touch with our first love, we are sensitive to how relational divisions grieve the Holy Spirit. But when we distance ourselves from the Lord and we grow colder through what some have called the tyranny of the urgent, or we get busy, or this or that with all of our doing, we lose that sensitivity. And then at that point, things like pride and jealousy, bitterness, gossip, that kind of thing are allowed to dwell within us, and we allow them to try to coexist inside of us along with God's Spirit, and it just doesn't work. And we become insensitive. We sort of become calloused. Our hearts get a callous because we're used to having that happen. We've lost our first love. Another way that we can see that we've lost our first love is if we're satisfied with where we're at. We're like, okay, I can coast from here. (laughs) Jesus is coming back soon anyways. Just watch the news. I'm good for now. (laughs) Right? We become content with where we are instead of being driven to become more like Jesus Christ. And another way that that sneaks up on us sometimes is we compare ourselves to one another. Even if we won't allow ourselves or admit to ourselves that I just compared myself to them and thought I was better. <laughs> we subconsciously do that sometimes and say, well, gosh, I would never do that. You know, so I'm, I'm, I guess I'm okay. Compared to others, I'm doing pretty well with the Lord. But as long as we're doing that, we're allowing something else to sit on the throne of our lives besides Jesus Christ. We begin to love something or someone else more than we love Christ. We have become dispassionate and cool in our relationship with Christ when these things begin to happen. So remember, this church at Ephesus was not a bad church. This was a church that was faithful in persecution. They were doing lots of good things. Jesus was aware of their works. They had been set on fire by the Holy Spirit. Paul had come and, you know, preached to them and all this good stuff had happened. And then all of a 
sudden Jesus in red letters in my Bible is saying this one thing I have against you, you've lost your first love. Like that, that just cuts. That goes right to the heart. And it should. It's a good thing to hear the admonishment of the Lord. Jesus never asked for a little part of our lives. He asked for all of it. He never asked for just this little place in our heart and a little room. He wants the whole thing. He wants reign and rule in our hearts. He didn't want to be one of many passions, including fishing and, you know, going outside and skiing and all of these good things. He wants to be the consuming passion in our lives. Jesus wants us to love him like he loves us. And he has never lost his passion for us. It burns white hot for us. We are the ones that grow cold and distance ourselves. And we don't do it intentionally. It just sort of happens over time, like the frog in the pot, right? All of a sudden we realize, wow, I'm not where I was when that happened, when I had that Kairos moment. And I was all on fire for God and these wonderful things were happening. All of a sudden, firewood and <laughs> daycare and car repairs and interpersonal relational challenges, marital strife. All these things happen and they start to push us away and take our focus off Christ. So Jesus' desire to be in relationship with us is as strong as it was the day that you remembered your first love. He hasn't moved. He hasn't changed. Often in scripture we see that image of the church as the bride of Christ. And Jesus loves his bride like a husband loves the wife of his youth. Scripture tells us. So Jesus is saying, remember where you were. Remember how you have fallen. Return to your first deeds and to the life that you were called to in Christ. And it doesn't stop there. He doesn't say, okay, good chat. Go have coffee hour. <laughs> he says, which by the way, there's coffee hour. <laughs> Karis baked a bunch of stuff. There's a warning. If they don't repent, if they don't return to their first love, he will remove their lampstand. He will remove the fire of his spirit from their midst. He will remove the blessing of his presence to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others away from them. The church may still have their buildings, they still have their programs, all the external stuff, all the busy stuff that we can kind of stick our heads in the ground and, and do. And we might even be able to attract new people, you know, with new facilities and this and that, and I could tell better jokes during the sermon and all that, and people be entertained. But the warning is that God takes his hand off the church and leaves them to go through the motions. How tragic for a church to fall from their first love. How tragic for 
a group of people going through the motions of Christianity, having a form of godliness but denying its power. There's not much that's more empty or sad than that. Plus it sends the wrong message, right? If we live a life like that, what are we teaching our kids? If we live a life like that, what are we demonstrating to the community around us? A Sunday morning club or a place where the living God moves in power and lives are changed? Jesus told Simon Peter, put down into the deep water. I'm about to do something. And the Lord says to us today, remember your first love. Put down into that deep water because he wants to do something. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the application of your scripture in our lives. Forgive us, God, where we have walked away from our first love, for where we have allowed good to replace best. Lord, let your word come alive in us. Help us to make time in life to read the Bible. That by your spirit, you would bring it alive in us, that it would leap off the page to us, Lord. That we would be more excited to read your word than anything else. That we would be more excited to spend time with you knowing that our first love and our passion should be relationship with you. Lord, help us to remember your holiness and stand in awe of it. And in awe also that through Jesus we have access to you. Lord, as we come to the table today to receive Holy Communion, we remember all those that have gone before, that have passed down this faith to us. Help us, O oh Lord, to steward it well and to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.